Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living White Rock. My name is Georgia Deacon, and I'm so glad that you're here. I'm a practitioner here at CSL White Rock. And thank you for joining us today. I'm just going to give us a little moment here of an invocation to welcome you in this time and space. So if you just want to get comfortable and um, relax yourself, rest into this time and space. Hmm. So in this bright, beautiful day, we welcome all thoughts, all new ideas. And we welcome that oneness that we know that is us, the breeze, the trees, the leaves, the living creatures, all that is, that is part of this oneness. And all of these wonderful expressions that are showing up today, we know that we are this oneness today, here and now and forever, this light, this source. So thankful for this time today to share our ideas and create greater self-awareness as we listen to Rev Noel, welcoming her and welcoming our musicians. This is a wondrous day. So just breathe in that now. And notice, notice as you walk today, every time you walk through a doorway, just stop and think, hmm, I am one with the one and take a breath. Just remind yourself today, or as you're walking down the street, as you pause, remember you are one with the one. I'm so thankful for today and I open and uh, welcome everyone and please join me in saying, and so it is. Okay, I want to uh, introduce our musicians today. Uh, I'm so excited to have you have them here again. We're, this is just great to have Beverly Elliott and Chris Noland. Um, Beverly is a successful Vancouver singer and songwriter and actress. Um, her music has been inspired. She says it's kind of a folk with a pop twist. And she performs regularly in concerts, um, festivals, benefits. And she's had over 100, TV, 100 film and TV credits as well, known around the world for her recurring role as Granny in the ABC hit series called Once Upon a Time. Um, she's written and performed in uh, One Woman and Two Women shows. And um, her CD, she just told us are on CD Baby. So, and her um, other things are in progress. So she'll, she'll keep us posted on that. And Chris, thank you, Chris Nolan, for coming back, actor and musician, who's working in the, has been working in the entertainment industry for 15 years. Uh, he, he, he played in his original funk band foundation for several years, but has recently been writing music and performing with Bev in churches, festivals, singer, songwriter halls and he can be seen also in lots of local tv and films so please welcome beverly and chris take it away good morning everyone we're very happy to be here with you on this beautiful sunday morning we're going to sing a song written by daniel namod called get ready my soul Get ready, my soul I'm diving in Get ready, my soul I'm diving in To the deepest kind of love to the sweetest kind of life 
Get ready, get ready, my soul. Everything I've ever done, everything I've ever seen, everything I've lost or won. Everything I've ever dreamed has brought me here to the present moment here to this new beginning here and I'm seeing life so clearly now so get ready come it's fantastic thank you so much beverly and chris and if you do if you want to post anything in the information chat um youtube please do so um i know you mentioned ba uh, the baby um something to do with baby yeah cd baby yeah that's where we can get your music so if you have if i'm if i've got that wrong just post it in the chat so everyone okay can. great 
Okay, so as we begin our gathering today as settlers on this land, we are honored to live, to live and, and operate on the traditional ancestral unceded territories of the Coast Salish people who continue to live on these lands and care for them along with the waters of, and all that is above and below. CSL White Rock is an inclusive spiritual community and learning center. We teach in spiritual principles and we offer tools to use in all areas of life regularly and consistent, consistently. Our life flourishes and flows out of ease and grace when we practice these. So let's walk together on this spiritual path and walk each other home and all the while transforming our lives and the lives of others. Thank you for being here. I just want to uh, Welcome back. It's our pleasure to welcome back our guest speaker today, Reverend Savannah, Savannah Noel. Savannah has served as a staff minister in spiritual communities since 2014. She continues to lead retreats, teach and speak in communities throughout the U.S. and the world. Her passion and her work in global ministry has nourished her soul. And Rev Savannah shares her wisdom and knowledge on social media. Find out what, what else she's up to. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram pages. Savannah resides currently in Seattle, Washington, just two hours north of us. Nope, south of us. <laughs> We're north of her. Please join me in welcoming the wonderful Rev. Savannah Noel. Hi, good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you all. It's been a while. Uh, and today, uh, my talk title is a little bit different than uh, the theme of the month, although I will be speaking a little bit about nature. Um, but I wanted to address something that I'm finding shows up often in my own life and something that as religious scientists, we don't always talk about, and that is called the new thought trap. There's no question uh, that the science of mind teaching this new thought philosophy has changed the lives of thousands of people. I mean, many of you, of course, you're here because you discovered this incredible uh, philosophy. And we consider this philosophy a liberation theology. It's a theology that uh, gives the power back to the individual spirit that tells us that we are not born in sin or separation, but that we are inherently divine beings with the ability to co-create and to have the life that we desire. It is, as we know, a theology of oneness, of unity. It tells us that love is the greatest power there is. And that the God of our understanding, or whatever name you might use for God, is within us. And that we have dominion over our thoughts and our attention. It also tells us that we are loved, that we are valuable, that we are connected to a source that is creative. And that there is great empowerment in that. I think that as someone who, you know, traditionally I grew up in um, a faith-based tradition, you know, of Christianity... What, what I love about our teaching is that it, it brings the responsibility back into the individual uh, person in that we get to look at the consciousness that we're creating all around us by doing the work within ourselves. As a child, you know, coming into this teaching, or maybe as an adult who you might have, as people say, washed up on the shores of the community that you, you know, have come to know as your spiritual home, Many people have said it just felt like home the first time that they were introduced to it. And 
it was the thing that was missing in their lives. It was the thing that pulled them out of maybe despair and separation. It was the thing that allowed them to see that they mattered. But it wasn't going to be without some personal ownership and responsibility, and it wasn't going to happen without some bravery. I think, however, it is a slippery slope because it can be considered, and I want you to try to just open your mind for a moment around this idea that it can be considered as a theology of privilege. Ernest Holmes's audience back then was primarily uh, open-minded, white, middle-class, progressive Christian folks in New England. And so on some point, you know, on the journey um, in my own study of this teaching, I was engulfed in it. And of course, it made me feel so good. You know, every uh, teen camp that I went to when I was 16 years old uh, had me addicted to this feeling of love, of being accepted by my peers, by telling me that I was amazing and that I had this spark of divinity within me, that I was not broken. It offered me this beautiful perspective on life. It gave me opportunities to travel the world, to teach this philosophy to thousands of people giving people this sense that they are not alone, that there is something powerful that is within us that wants to create, to become more and never less than itself as us. And the part that isn't always talked about or considered is the human part of life. Questions we might ask ourselves like, how do we work with our pain? How do we work with our grief? How do we reconcile the suffering and the poverty of the world? You probably have asked these questions as you started to learn more about this teaching. How do I come to terms with my feelings of not enoughness or stagnation? I would travel to countries uh, in my 20s. You know, I did a lot of traveling where I would see that as a person of a different class and privilege, I have the ability to leave it behind to go elsewhere, to come back to my, you know, comfortable place in, you know, in the United States. I can turn an eye away, you know, away from the atrocities because of the life I've been given. And for me, this has always been a new thought conundrum. So if we bring this down to a micro level individually in our own lives, how do we address our collective shame? That is why the works of Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle and Cheryl Strayed and Elizabeth Gilbert, um, some incredible feminists, uh, has been so inspiring and impactful to my own body of work because they do not spiritually bypass hard things. And so this month's theme, as we know, is all about nature. And for a lot of people uh, who would consider themselves as non-religious, nature, I think, is sometimes that place where we feel most connected where we were like, we can make sense of life. It's, it's a beautiful metaphor. I truly feel that if we are ever in question about, you know, life, unsure, we can always look to nature to give us some peace, to give us some inner resolve because it is constantly in flux. It is constantly changing. It is, as I said, that great metaphor for life. Years ago, when I became a new minister, when I, when I first kind of stepped into my own as a new minister, I remember sitting down with a colleague of mine, the incredible Dr. Roger Teal, who was the minister uh, at Mile High Church, which is where I did all of my training. It's where I grew up in my own spiritual home. 
And it's also one of our largest uh, New Thought communities. And I asked him a very bold question. I said, Dr. Roger, do you ever feel like an imposter? You have given hundreds of talks. You've spoken in so many places. You've taught so many classes. Do you ever feel like you aren't adequate to teach this? And he says, he smiles and he says to me, of course, it's part of growing and becoming Savannah. It's part of the walk of a minister. I think though that the tragedy of our teaching is that often we aren't given the permission, the compassion or the space to be human, to question, to go off the path, to fall, to feel negative emotions. And this is the shame trap that I'm talking about. Just as evangelists, you know, are shunned for asking too many questions, I find that it is a similar feeling within new thought that if we are not good metaphysicians, if we are not doing our work, if we are questioning everything we've ever been taught or believed about God and life, there can be shame. We cannot uphold that uh, religious science status quo. We might front even that we have our lives together, that we have this really great spiritual practice, that we're totally prayed up, when deep down, there's another story that's going on. And I'm interested in that story. Because oftentimes when I talk to clients and I talk to people within our teaching, when we really come down to the bare, you know, the bare, um, I don't want to say the bottom, but when, when we look underneath to the roots, we often find that, that we all have similar uh, things running. That shame stuff is still, is still there. But one of the greatest gifts, the greatest teaching I have found is in struggle. It's within our pain and grief. It's within those moments where we are on our knees and it takes just one person, one person to believe in us. It is found when we are, you know, in the fire of life doing what Araya Mountain Dreamer talks about in her book, The Invitation, where she says, you know, it's doing what it takes to feed the children and not shrinking back. For me personally, as you know, I often bring my own experiences into my talks because I feel they're relevant. You know, it's relevant to the human experience. I want to relate to you. And I've personally been experiencing this. You know, the entire world we know has changed because of the pandemic and the entire new thought Sunday morning experience, the way we do church has changed. And I don't know if we have uh, quite caught up to what that actually means yet as an organization. I don't know if we have accessed the grief, the collective grief that we've all been carrying yet. And I personally was at a point within this last year where I felt like everything I had worked for, you know, the business, the ministry, everything that I had worked for and become started to completely crumble down around me. I, I felt like I couldn't reach out for support because of that shame trap of, well, you're a minister. You should know how to get yourself out of this. Did you call your practitioner? And just the fear and the shame of that made my resistance even greater to the point that I wouldn't reach out. And I felt completely alone in this and then questioning my purpose. I'm sure I'm not alone in this, which is why I want to bring it into the conversation. Yes, I could have called a friend. I could have called a colleague and someone that I knew could uh, love me best, but my pride was too great. Have you ever let your pride get in the way? 
you know, I've been in this teaching for 20 years. And I would say this is the first time in my life that I'm actually questioning all of it. And some of my colleagues now, now that I'm on the other side and I've talked to them about it, when I told them this, I thought they were going to judge me. And what I got instead was applause. <laughs> I'm so glad you're questioning, Savannah. The Buddhists would say, this uh, is beautiful. This is the path. Let go of everything that you think you know. Let go of all of the attachments that you have about the belief system you've come to know. Uh, you know, and not knowing how to hold my grief, supporting a community and other people. And at the same time, I was striving for greatness, to fulfill my purpose, to fulfill my dreams. You know, faith is easy when everything is going well, when everything is aligning perfectly. But sometimes we have to brave the wilderness. And that wilderness can be a lonely journey. Back in the old days, I don't know if some of you were around um, when religious science, uh, you know, as an organization, we had these conventions. They called them, they call them convention now, but but back then it was also convention. They they shift the wording around. And I used to hear stories about how people in our organization would fight each other at these conventions. Here we are teaching about oneness and unity and love, and we are fighting each other into, you know, fighting about uh, jargon, semantics, bylaws, you know, all of the, the stuff of the nature of, of a business. And then you probably remember our organization way back when split into two. So we literally are a teaching of separation and we have separated. They would throw things around like, what was it in your consciousness that created that thinking? And for years, over the years, I've heard that. And thank goodness it is far less now. But you can see how that belief and that thought in and of itself perpetuates more shame. This guilt for not having right thinking. I think that's the trap we can fall into. We fear that uh, if as religious scientists, as ministers, as practitioners, as lay people, as good religious scientists, I must always uphold principle no matter the condition. I must release my fear and my doubt and my shame, and I must do all of the things. I must meditate and pray and call my practitioner. I must go to that AA meeting. I must do all of the things to be a good metaphysician. And what I notice is that it engenders the exact thing that we talk about turning away from, which is shame. So how do I, how do we come back to that thing that we know to the thing that we've always believed about ourselves, that I am whole, that we are perfect, we are whole, we are complete, that everything is truly working together for good, for good when I am suffering. What do I do when it feels like it's just too much? Well, I heard in a podcast recently uh, by an author that I really respect, I heard her say, I've been loved too well to ruin my life. I've been loved too well to ruin my life. This dream that you have over here, this dream that I have over here, although it might not have been fulfilled yet, although it might have felt like a setback, it's not going to ruin my life. It's not going to ruin your life. I'm going and we are going to aspire for greatness and then our job is to evolve. And I don't get to decide. We don't get to decide how we're going to get there. 
that detour, that other job that we took to fund the dream, uh, that other path that we didn't plan, sometimes we need one story to get to another story. Have you ever had this experience where you had your heart and your eyes set on something upon that goal, and then you distracted yourself over here with other things while you're trying to do that thing, but you're over here distracted and you could never get to the thing that you wanted to do, like writing that book? The fear of not being great creeped in and then that self-sabotage took over. What is it that matters more is the question. The author, uh, Cheryl Strayed, who I love, she talked about this, uh, about her own story in this, because in her career, she said, I wanted to write the great American novel, but she kept distracting herself from it. So she would go in to write and then she'd get pulled over here to do something else. And the question she came to was, what matters more, writing the great American novel or writing a novel that may or may not be good? She says, except what is true now. My dream is to write a book and the only book I can possibly write is the one I wrote. And it's none of my business if it's good or right. So we get to let go of greatness and what happens after is none of my business. She says the pursuit of the thing keeps us from the thing. And often what drives us then is the external. It's success, it, you know, it's money, it's um, status. She says, you want to be driven by what is inside of you. And so I, today in this particular talk, I don't say all of these things um, to provoke some sort of response of pity, but I want to shine the light on the condition because we say in this teaching to turn away from the condition, but sometimes we cannot get from deep grief to joy and one leap of consciousness. We first have to get to willingness. We might even have to get to hope. And so maybe the condition is the thing that catapults me into wanting to become more. Maybe we get to just make it okay that we feel what we feel because it's all temporary. Years ago, I launched a, a 23 city speaking tour back in 2015 because the Science Mind magazine had just come out and I was on the cover and I was like, you know, I want to maximize this opportunity. I had been living in Egypt at the time during the revolution. And I remember the name of the workshop that I gave at every single community was the sacred amidst the shadow. And it was all about shadow work and how to find the sacred, even in the darkest of places. That was back in 2015. And the interesting thing is, is I think to where I am now, and I didn't really know what it meant then to know the sacred <laughs> until now. The sacred is there while we're sitting in that discomfort when we want to bury it, we want to hide it, we want to run from it. The sacred is in our silent moments of introspection when we're facing a health challenge or when someone has left us, when a relationship ends. The sacred is still there, sometimes as this uh, whisper or a gentle nudge in the breeze. And what I'm coming to know now and what I want to impart to you in this message is this, of what you can take with you from this is every minister, every practitioner, 
Every minister, every practitioner, every human being has shame. We all have those feelings of pain and anger and hard thoughts. And I am not alone in this and neither are you. But what it means is we get to practice radical acceptance, accepting each moment, taking a step, and then another step. And you know, you've heard it said to take one step at a time, and it literally is this. We can do the hard things that are being placed upon us. And even if we can't believe it's working for us, we always say it's working for our good. Even if you can't believe it's working for us and that a higher power has got us, we just keep taking another step. It's okay to be where you are. It's okay to question. It's okay to not know what's next. It's okay to feel everything you feel. It's okay right now to not be a good metaphysician. It's okay right now to be wherever you are. And the thing that you're meant to do, the thing that is yours to do, will become clear to you even and especially if it isn't amazing. So you might say to yourself, come what may. Maybe you've outgrown the life you've been living. Maybe you've outgrown the relationship or the job. And, and that can feel really dark and uncertain. But maybe you're growing into something more amazing now. And if you find yourself falling into that shame trap that I'm talking about, we get to give ourselves some grace, some inner peace, because I remind myself, you know, the Dalai Lama probably has bad days too. <laughs> And it's sometimes about leaning into the knowing. Glennon Doyle, who is also another amazing author, uh, wrote a book called Untamed. And she explains the knowing like this. I love this. She says, if I'm willing to sit in the stillness with myself, I always know what to do. That the answers are never out there. They are as close as my breath and as steady as my heartbeat. All I have to do is to stop flailing sink below the surface and feel for the nudge and the gold, then I have to trust it, no matter how illogical or scary the next right thing seems, because the more consistently, bravely, and precisely I follow that inner knowing, the more precise and beautiful my outer life becomes. So how, how is it that we know how to know? Well, a moment of uncertainty arises within us. We breathe. We turn inward and we sink. And then we feel around in that sinking for the knowing. We do that right next thing. We do the next thing that it nudges us towards and we just let it stand. We don't try to explain it. We just let it stand. And she says, we repeat it forever. <laughs> I can do that. I think you can do that too. A dear friend and colleague uh, said to me recently, you know, Savannah, perhaps you need to divorce God. Maybe you need to fire her and find a new one. <laughs> and I liked that idea. So I am officially making everything okay. And so can you. So with that, let us go into a prayer now. Taking that holy breath in. Coming back to the awareness of the power and presence of all of life, that wisdom, that knowing, that guides, that guards, that protects, that lives and breathes and moves as every single one of us, as we continue to walk the path, 
in the joys, in the sorrows, in the uncertainties, and the not knowing. I know that we are connected to this source, for I know that it is really the greatest love there ever was and ever will be. And that love pours itself into each and every one of us right here and now. And so what I affirm for us today is that we make everything okay. That every feeling, every emotion, every condition, all of the experiences of life, it is all okay. And we move through it with grace, with forgiveness of ourselves, with harmony with all of life, knowing that things are actually unfolding perfectly even when we can't see them. And so we hold the space for all of the things. We hold the space for beauty, for joy, for love, for kindness, for opportunities, for abundance. We hold the space for worry and fear and doubt and lack and separation. We just hold all of it and we know it is okay. And so with this prayer in my heart, I know that we are blessed. We are blessed by this community. We are blessed by one another. We are so blessed by this message of total surrender. Surrendering to the not knowing, surrendering to the next phase, surrendering to our becoming. And so with this and the more I give thanks, I give so much gratitude and I let it go. I release it into the law, knowing it is done right here and now. And together, let us say, Ashe, Namaste. And so it is. Amen. If you have enjoyed today, now it's time for to notice the gratitude, the gratitude you have for yourself, for this fantastic speaker we've had today with Rev Savannah, uh, and know that the law, law of circulation is in constant movement, giving and receiving. The more good that is given, the more good that is received is proof. This is how the law works. The abundant prosperity of life na expands naturally. Life is better for this, and I am deeply grateful. So we know that showing gratitude is through donations. And as I invite you to take your hand and put it on your heart, take a breath, be grateful. And when you think about gratitude, recognize all the good that's available to you right now. Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have clean water? Do you have clean air? Do you have people you know? Do you have animals in your life? What do you have? Pets? With an opening, loving heart, I give thanks for all the gifts that life continuously provides. Join me in being grateful by making a donation to CSL White Rock. Should you choose to give regularly, you can join our committed giving program. All the information you need can be found in the chat. And there are three ways to give. Uh, donate on our website. Uh, you can pay by check. Still, we still take checks and by e-transfer. So... Yeah, so showing your gratitude. And as we show gratitude, as it says, it's a constant movement of giving and receiving. And today we received so much from Rev. Noel, Rev. Savannah Noel. Yes, it was amazing. And so much from Beverly and Chris. Uh, 